Well, hello there. I am back. And I am sorry for being a little late, as usual. I don't think I can keep this ritual up <laughs> to be more on time and create a recording uh, every weekend, I suppose. I'd like to do one every day, but <clears throat> in the end, I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to talk about. But for today, I'd like to give you at least a short update of a few things. First of all, I've been coming a little bit forward with my studies. I'm very close to finishing them now. Thank God. And, well, I don't believe in him, but, you know, the saying goes, thank some kind of entity or divine force, whatever. And um, I have also started a new illustration, a new page for my dear friend in Switzerland. I haven't spoken to him in a while, but I hope he's fine. Um, you do maybe remember that I told you uh, there was an a podcast a while ago, one of the latter ones, where I talked about an artist named uh, Stu Jenks, that he had severe cancer and, you know, trouble, of course, staying alive and getting the proper treatment. And it looks like that the last chemotherapy sessions have done some magic to him. There is still cancer in him. There's still the uh, let's say the mastermind cancer somewhere in his body, and it is still giving him a hard time. But the chemotherapy seemed to work to such a degree that he has more time on this earth, more time with his dear wife, and I'm very happy about that. If you're interested, Google Stu Jenks and look at his material. He has some interesting photography from, uh, let's say, 10 or 20 years ago when he... Uh, I'm not sure when he started originally, but he got more famous and a little bit more attention in his own right to uh, while he was showing off these interesting uh, images of of uh, lightning hoop dances and stuff like that. I'm not quite sure how he did that. Again, you have to check his work out. And of course, he has also the um, something in the ambient music section where you can just listen to very interesting tunes of his. Um, let's say, experimental music. I personally do like it. I do like listening to it. I think Stu is a, a very interesting guy, a very friendly one too. And um, I hope he's still around for many, many years to come to give us more of his brilliance. Um, again, just check him out. If, you, if you're interested, you know, just pay, pay his site a, a visit or Google him. You'll find him. Hmm. Or to make it easier, go to the last podcast where I talk about Stu Jinx. There's a link to his website, I think. Um, something else that came to mind is that um, the German economy is not doing too well, it seems. I think the economy overall, according to the news outlet, is fine. But other companies have been reporting that they have, well, lack of commission lack of orders, lack of jobs and possibilities and opportunities, we have surprisingly a lot of uh, startup companies trying to do business online with whatever web model that they try to advertise and, and sell. I'm not really a buff about that stuff. I have no clue about these things, but I noticed that we have a lot of startup companies while other older, more established companies trying to sell the actual physical goods instead of creating some, you know, um, online gizmo or, or service that you can use for something like, I don't know, a streaming service perhaps, or maybe uh, a networking service, any kind, you know. I'm not saying that the, the online product is bad in general. I'm a huge fan of online products, obviously. But um, it's, it's, you can't feel the difference. You can't feel that there's something going on. You can feel it in the economy, and we're wondering where this is going next, because the next uh, stage of attack will be done by Putin to uh, against the Ukraine. We know this. We have watched the news. If, if the news information is correct, uh, there's a high production going on 24-7 to create as many tanks and weaponry as possible 
to roll over Ukraine. Now, I personally doubt that the next move will be victorious because, you know, the funny thing is I don't want to talk about the war too long. <clears throat> Sorry. I have something in my throat there. I'm drinking a cheap beer in the background because my kidney ain't doing so well today, guys. It's kind of painful, but I got to keep drinking. Yeah, I, sh- I, I know, I know. I shouldn't, I shouldn't drink alcohol. But it's like light alcohol, you know, and I've, I haven't touched whiskey in two weeks if that's even enough. I can't remember when I had my last glass of whiskey and actually enjoyed it. I've been drinking mostly a glass of wine here and there, and I bought some six packs of beer for me to keep my kidneys, you know, flowing and also drinking water and tea a lot every day, trying to get the fucking stone out. It's still there, and I can feel it. Uh, what am I supposed to do? You know, it's not like I'm dying from pain or anything, but it it's it can only get worse before it gets better, I was told. Hmm. Never mind that. Let's get back to the war. So what it looks like for me, and I'm not sure what, what, what side you're on, but um, I think it looks very much like uh, America and NATO as a whole. I'm not sure about all members of NATO, but I think most of them agree. They're trying to get Russia to its knees. And, of course, I'm not defending Russia to all aspects. Nothing, nothing excuses anyone to invade a country. There is no reasoning, there's no excuse, nothing. You just don't invade another country. Ukraine was invaded. That's a fact. Many people have died already. More are going to die. Also a fact. Now, Europe and NATO overall are trying to support Ukraine from the start. However, not always delivering like a high multitude of weapons or tanks or vehicles of of any kind or air support. You know, just a little bit of support in weaponry. Now, the funny thing is no one really knew why at least not publicly, officially. So um, we, we remember back in the day, you know, a year ago, when uh, Joe Biden made the announcement and warned everyone that Putin was going to attack. On that, during that time, Putin always said, no, I'm not going to attack. Obviously, he lied, yes. But what I'm saying is the Americans like to put on some pressure on this war matter. And now that lots of time passed, of course, I mean, the invasion took place. Uh, Russia is still moving forward, trying to crush Ukraine. But it took a long time for Europe, especially my country, Germany, to give actual support, physical support to Ukraine, while other countries were also hesitating a little bit and then playing this cat and mouse game, trying to convince Germany to send tanks and military support, weaponry, maybe even soldiers, uh, a bit more quicker to make a decision to be active now. But that's not happening. At least it's starting now. Because of this this revolting, gigantic military operation that uh, Russia is, is committing right now, I told you, Supply, you know, supplies being increased. Uh, they're trying to produce as much uh, firepower as possible, more tanks. So that means that they mean business, right? They want to roll over Ukraine as fast as possible. Now, NATO is trying to give more support. The question always is why didn't they try to do exactly the same thing right from the start before it was too late or almost too late? I mean, we're talking about, first, they were sanctioning Russia, which is, of course, one tactic to financially bring a country down to its knees, which did work to some degree, but not entirely. Russia is still moving forward by convincing, I guess, whoever is, uh, you know, in this chain of command to just take the command and, and your order and just do what needs to be done with a false promise, I suppose, that all expenses will be paid and your family will be fine. You will have food, you will have water, you will have uh, heating. Um, there's nothing that, that you need to worry about. The government is going to pay for it. 
With what money? Question mark. I don't know. But that could be a theory. That's just an idea from my side. I think that's what Russia, what the the, the Russian uh, Kreml is. Um, well, a- advertising or telling or brainwashing its people. And um, the, like I said, the question always remained, at least to me, why wasn't this done sooner? And I think some some people online, some guys on YouTube, um, talked about this this idea that it looks at least almost astonishingly, overwhelmingly ob- um, obvious that NATO is trying to bleed Russia dry. They're not looking forward to end the war in Ukraine. They're trying to prolong the war as much as possible to weaken Russia. Now, China is not doing that much, at least not to my knowledge. I'm not sure if they're uh, financially invested in the war on Russia's side. Some people claim yes, others no. I'm not so sure if they actually really want to be involved or if they're just waiting for Russia to collapse. By collapse, I don't mean that the country will collapse as a whole, that, you know, uh, Russia is too big for that. You can only collapse the people in power and put them maybe in chains, put them put them away, or just force them back with their heads against the wall. But the people will, will still be there. The infrastructure in Russia will still be there, and everything else will be there. But if the theory is true that NATO is trying to really crush Russia financially and military-wise to such a degree that they're playing them against the wall, screwing them over to take anything valuable from the Russian soil or Russian ground, like the gas uh, chambers underneath the earth, you know, the, 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 those gas lines, um, oil <clears throat> nonetheless... <clears throat> Sorry, um, maybe even uh, gold and other valuable materials that can be found in the ground. So I think this is just a power play, uh, w- playing with the lives of the Ukraines to prolong the war, just to get Russia where they want them to be, to finally crush them. And if that happens, if, if they're successful, I could imagine... China with President Xi Jinping just sitting in the background and going like, okay, now the cards have fallen. Russia is dying. Now they want to be involved and take a portion of Russia for them, a large portion, so they can enlarge China and become, well, a little bit richer, let's put it that way, just use the ground, the the property than you obtained. And, uh, you know, they're going to... That's what I think they want to do, split Russia in little pieces and just share the, the nation with everyone else who is involved. Now, that's just an idea. I'm not saying it's true. It's just I could be completely wrong and I'm just reading too many sci-fi novels. I don't know. But it's interesting to me that people like you know Joe Biden and the White House in general, I did not see really any effort from the American side, that they tried to negotiate for peace. Instead, they were just throwing some more gasoline onto the fire. And I haven't seen any real, serious attempt from my country either to look for peace. They were talking about peace, but now now they're investing into the war itself. So I'm sorry, but this makes no sense. This is really aiming at the worst case scenario to let Ukraine fall so that Russia can just get poor and be crushed. And well, in the process, Ukraine will be built up again. But man, to what cost? If this is real, I don't know. It's a really nasty world we live in, dude. Of course, I could be wrong. And there are many different explanations as to why everything came to be as it is now. I'm just saying, it's it's weird. It looks really weird. Well, enough about that. War, ah, who needs it, right? It's all crap. Anyway, um, the actual reason why I wanted to talk to you guys 
is basically Peter Gabriel. So um, I have to remember this, minute 15. <laughs> 15 minutes in, I'm, start, I'm, I'm starting to talk about my idol, Mr. Gabriel. Um, I am very, very thankful that Gabriel is putting out a new album. After 21 years of silence, not complete silence, of course, there was something going on. But after all this time, he's back in, in the saddle and with his old bandmates, aging, of course, but still rocking and have creative force and power inside them that just needs to be unleashed. The Gabe will return to enlighten us with his music. Now, I know this sounds cheesy when I say it, and I'm not teasing anyone. I am truly a, a huge fan of Mr. Gabriel, and I've listened to all of his songs. And now there's a new single that popped up a while ago. I'm, I'm, I'm a little late. I know, I know. And there's a second full moon coming, in case you don't know. Uh, 20 years ago, there was the full moon club that was created by uh, Peter Gabriel on his old uh, website back then, when every website was sort of important, you know, like not nowadays. It's more social media than anything else now. And every time when the moon was fat, so he said, he was going to release new information and some snippets of a song from the Up album. Right now, we're experiencing pretty much the same, only on a different scale with the social media uh, element behind it. And the material that Peter has, is releasing is, I wouldn't say vastly different, but it is still different from his previous works. And I've listened to, like many of you have, uh, the... the the single Panopticon, uh, to my surprise, some people online cannot pronounce Panopticon. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, there is, a, I think, a misconception here of what the song is supposed to be. Um, according to Gabriel himself, it's the idea that there is some kind of data collective force, if you will, where everything that happens in the world, no matter what, if it's like... Uh, if, it, if it's a crime or if it's just, you know, information against humanity, if it's information overall, if it's information about you, personal stuff, the street, the, the universe, everything, all that data is being collected into this one uh, artificial element where all this information is being processed. And um, to me, it sounds more like it's a bit of... Not just a bit. It's actually the personification of artificial intelligence on a level that is already so big that it can process everything that happens in the world. And everything that's true will be shown true, and everything that's a lie will be disproven. And, you know, this kind of, of gimmick. Um, I'm not sure what else is behind that song, if there is more meaning to it. It just sounds more like the all-seeing digital eye that collects information. And um, there's, of course, this interesting uh, piece of artwork, which I might come back to uh, later. There's an, a very interesting photographer who makes uh, stunning... I'm not sure if he is actually a photographer, but he's an artist that has a completely different vision and take on visual art, and you should check that out too. But I might come back to that at some point in time later when we have more samples to talk about from the artist and the album itself, and then, of course, compare maybe the works and all that kind of stuff. That sounds exciting. I'd like to do that. But the song itself is, I've listened to it a few times. Um, the first release was called The Bright Side Mix. And there's a story to that which I should tell you in case you haven't noticed that before. So I'm not quite sure uh, who mixed originally the Bright Side mixed uh, version of Panopticon. Uh, Chad Blake was the one mixing the Dark Side mix that was announced uh, right now. And there's also a different one, um, an inside mix, if you will, that is supposed to be something like three-dimensional sound, but I can't listen to that. Uh, just now you have to be you know somewhere on Apple I guess to listen to that I haven't I haven't had the pleasure to actually listen to it but I was told it's magnificent now I think most of you by now have known or uh, 
found out somehow that Peter's old band members are there. Manu Kache is playing the drums. David Rhodes is still on guitar. You got Tony Levin. Um, the, the undead stick man, if you will, <laughs> is still the master of bass. And um, Brian Eno is also a part of, of this collaboration, of this, this stuff. He is adding some interesting electronic sounds haunting sounds as far as I know I'm not exactly sure which ones I don't know but he was involved in the creation of uh, Panopticon I'm not sure how large or how deep his involvement is with the other tracks but this is all we have right now the only track that we have that we're certain is gonna be a single or is a single right now is Panopticon my personal opinion on the song is it's for a single, it's finally something completely different in comparison to Growing Up or Steam or Sledgehammer, where the uptunes were supposed to be more entertaining to get the album actually sold. That was a different deal back then. But the market has changed vastly. Now you can actually just produce whatever you want, and you will find enough people willing to listen to it or even like it and buy it if you um, release it online on whatever platform. And it looks like to me that Gabriel is doing exactly that, stepping away from the traditional way of presenting new music in an album as an idea and as a concept. And the concept that he's trying to convey this time, with the help of these two gentlemen who are doing the mixing, um, like I said, Chad Blake for, sorry, I just have to sit here differently on this chair. Chad Blake is doing the dark side mix, and there is a bright side mix by, I'm sorry, I do not remember who that guy was. I tried to find it just now in the background. I can't, <laughs> or I'm blind and I haven't read about this. I do apologize for that. But um, it, it, from what I've understood is that every song that's being introduced will be one of those two mixes first. I think the bright side mix will be the first one, and the dark side mix will be presented after, I don't know, when the full moon is done, the new moon will be, um, will be, will be used from the time to um, present the dark side mix. So I'm pretty curious what that might be or what that's going to be. And what I'm personally hoping, just as a side note, is that the, the track uh, Love Can Heal that was played as a new song on the Sting and Gabriel tour, Rock, Paper, Scissors in North America. That song is great. It's one of my favorites right now. I wish and hope that there is a proper version of that song. Whatever mix, I don't care. Just give me all mixes you have. And I hope it's going to be one of those major, um, you know, deep and haunting tunes that Gabriel just loves to do sometimes of the new album. Not so much like it. It goes a little bit into the direction of Mercy Street, but it still is, again, something vastly different from what we have known so far. But there's a fi something very familiar with the work of Gabriel. You will always find his handwriting somewhere. You know, we fans, we just fucking know this shit. So, <laughs> um, yeah, back to the actual single. Is it good? Well, I have listened to it a couple of times, and the, the song is growing on me. Now, I don't think that it is a masterpiece per se. At least I'm not convinced that it is one. That does not mean that it's bad. Of course not. Um, I do like the song, and I've listened to it multiple times now on YouTube, on, his, uh, on the Peter Gabriel's official channel. The dark side mix sounds very similar to the bright side mix. I believe that the bass is balanced different on the dark side mix, and you can hear Peter's um, vocals a bit more clearly. At least it appears to be that way. I haven't listened to both tracks side by side. Um, I am a little bit under time pressure here in my own private life. But whenever I have the time, I listen to one of my favorite songs and favorite artists right now that I have found either by accident or because I forgot about them. And, you know... While I was searching for songs, I, I bumped into Fever Ray. If you don't know who Fever Ray is, Fever Ray um, is, is a band with a very obscure f 
probably female, if I may say so, female lead singer and songwriter who does not want to be gendered at all, I think. I read that somewhere in a very rare interview that male and female doesn't really matter to her and she's uh, more on the feminist side but the peaceful kind and also advertising for peace and for common sense and not for, you know, we're better than you kind of stuff, which is kind of uh, refreshing. And years ago, I think that was like 11 years ago maybe, roughly, I'm not quite sure if that's accurate, but it, it is a long time ago. There was a song released by her, a cover of Peter Gabriel's Mercy Street. And I just remembered that while talking about, you know, Love Can Heal and comparing the songs. If you haven't listened to that, go on YouTube or Google and just look for Fever Ray's version of Mercy Street. It is a badass electronic tune. It really is. It's the best interpretation of Mercy Street that anyone has ever done aside from Gabriel himself. It is that good. It's just very different, but it's still very, very good. The tune, the beat, the, the rhythm is just fantastic. And uh, yes, Fever Ray is a purely electronic artist. Um, I think purely. There, there could be some more behind it there, but it sounds more like 90% is purely electronic, while someone live is playing the drums as you can see on, on some recordings. Just as a side note, just check it out. Fever Ray is really worth uh, your while if you're interested in very funky, interesting, obscure electronic sounds. You might like this. And, well, back to Panopticum. The entering, when the song starts, this, this nice played melody that is not really a guitar, I can't identify exactly what kind of instrument that is. I am sorry, I am not an instrument buff or genius, well-known guy in, in the field. I can distinguish a saxophone saxophone from a flute or an e-guitar. I think I can do that. But to tell you exactly what kind of instrument that is that was used, I have to look that up. But I haven't found the information yet. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The opening of the song is great. I love the tune. This is a very simple, soft riff going on. And then you have, of course, the mysterious electronic sounds overall, which seem to have more weight to the album as a concept. That can also be that the topic might really be input-output, like the title suggests, that it's all about uh, the way we live in this, this world, um, maybe borrowed from the idea of Black Mirror, that technology will alter society as we know it, which it already has done and is going to do in the future as well. Many changes will roll over us while we're trying to, well, trying to stay ahead of something maybe, trying to read and learn about everything that's been developing. And everything is going so fast. We have electronic cars. We have, uh, they might not be perfect, but they will come. We have uh, artificial intelligence. We have different kinds of ways of communicating. We have all sorts of things going on in our lives, all based on the internet. And it could be that Gabriel is singing just about this, or for the most part, about this stuff. While, of course, a track like Love Can Heal is a little bit outside of that realm. But I think, uh, my estimation only, and I have no knowledge of the actual facts of the album, but my estimation is that 60% of the album will deal with this kind of information like Panopticon. And then, you know, the... the the topic, electronic, uh, digital, new lifestyle, um, technology that's going to take over the world, artificial intelligence, changes, everything, virtual reality probably, you know, like the new VR tech that we have from uh, game developers and all that. It, it, look, we have a lot of stuff coming our way, and I think it could be possible that Peter is addressing those issues and not just... Um, you know, not just human rights stuff. Maybe it's about technology versus humans overall. And I'm, I'm looking forward to what, whatever he's going to pop out next. And just in a couple of days, I suppose, we're going to witness and listen to a brand new track, aside from Panopticon. Um, the track, again, the single Panopticon, is a good song. I like listening to it. The more I listen to it, the more it grows on me, which is typical for most of Gabriel's songs. If you have 
somewhat a connection, a taste for his music, it's always challenging, in my opinion, to keep listening to his stuff. Because you sometimes discover something new, even though it's a, it's a 20 or 30 year old track. And you listen to it after a break once again, and you think to yourself, damn, you know, I, I missed that spot. There's an instrument I haven't heard before, or maybe a vocal that wasn't really um, so audible before. But now you hear it, and it's always in your head. You know, it's just it's one of these things. And I wish that Gabriel would do something out of the ordinary by going back into the past and maybe presenting us or delivering us um, very rare recordings that were broadcasted live but never really you know, published on, on disc or cassette or anything else like that or vinyl. And for that re matter, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about this very uh, old song, Lay Your Hands On Me, which was played right after Shock the Monkey on some Italian TV show presenting his album, the security album. And that version that was done for TV with, uh, you know, Lay Your Hands On Me had completely different, high-pitched, strong-sounding Gabriel vocals in the background mixed into the track. And those vocals are the fucking best I have ever heard of this song in general. It sounds so sick. It sounds so brilliant. But it's rare. It's like a gem that you have just witnessed by accident. And someone, you know, majestically recorded the whole thing on VHS back then. And there's still, some fans are still trying to polish that recording to get the best out of that, 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 that version. And I wish... I really wish Peter would try to re just obtain the original material, if he has the original mix of that song somewhere lying around. Please publish it. I'm going to buy it. If it costs 200 bucks, I'm going to buy the freaking song. It is that good. Okay, just that's just my personal opinion. I'm Like I said, or maybe as you know, I'm a little bit obsessive sometimes. But I really dig these things, you know. It's just like you listen. When I was a kid and I got myself the uh, the single, one of the the last ones that I could actually buy before it was out of print, of Peter Gabriel's Sludge Hammer in the '90s, while the song was, of course, like seven or eight years old. And one guy told me, "Oh, I'm not sure if you can actually still buy that single." And I kept looking and looking and looking. And I found it, bought it instantly, and there was this track, the B-side track, this gem called Don't Break This Rhythm. That is also a great, great song. It blows me away. I think I talked about that track before. I have to do a podcast of Peter Gabriel's B-side tracks and rate them on a scale from 1 to 10. You know, throughout, or just introduce you to all of these tracks. You have to listen to this shit. It's so good. It might not be your cup of tea, but if you love Gabriel's touch, if you like his music, his, his creative vision, you will, believe me, like, don't break this rhythm. Now, as you notice, I'm always stalling. I'm not really being too focused on Panopticon. Um, it's true. I still listen to uh, the song almost daily, actually. I do, I do like the song. The lyrics are great. Um, it's pretty straightforward, the song, but it's not boring like, um, like The Veil. You know, the, the, the song The Veil that Peter did is um, for, for, based on or homage to Edward Snowden for being the, the whistleblower. That is one of those songs that I just don't really like. It's, it's, it's extremely flat in comparison to Panopticon. Panopticon is like a firework of music in comparison to that with great vocals. And that's also a point that I need to address before I completely forget this. Gabriel's voice is solid. I mean, rock solid. It's not necessarily Gabriel from 1980s. It's not comparable to, um, let's say, even Secret World Live. I think he sounded a bit different back then where his voice was also getting a bit more weary more uh, this this uh, more mature and scratchy almost a little bit a lot more than we had with the so era and uh, a few years i mean have passed between the the so album and, and the us album back then 
and the vocals were, were, were still strong and uh, audible beyond end, but uh, you could notice that his voice was aging on the Up album. Then, of course, New Blood that came afterwards and all that, and Scratch My Back stuff. And now we're here, 21 years later, Mr. Gabriel will turn on 13th February, February this month, if I'm not mistaken, 73. And he still sounds like an angel. Okay, you do notice that his voice has gotten a bit heavier. It sounds a bit darker on some notes. Um, it's, it, his, his vocal cords sound differently or work differently. The man is aging. What do you expect? You know, not everyone can sound the same. But that doesn't mean that his voice is poor. Oh no, by, not by a long shot. Compare his lung volume and his capacity to sing with a lot of power and emotion. Compare that to, um, sadly, I want to take this, this example and put it in here. Compare that to Phil Collins and his recent last true final farewell tour. Um, which I, have, I haven't seen myself completely and I didn't want to because it actually hurts me to see that and to listen to it. Um, I'm not the biggest Phil Collins fan, but it, it's not a, a pretty sight to see him just sitting in a chair walking around with a, crane, uh, with, a, with a cane or a crutch, not being able to move right again. I mean, this guy is like he's, he's, he's starting to decompose almost, you know? And vocally, he sounds uh, like an empty shell. There was no emotion in those songs. He, he, I know he wants to do farewell tour and just, you know, lots of diehard fans want to see him once more. I get that. But it's not the Phil Collins that, I, that we once knew. I mean, he's sick. Yeah, he has some real serious medical conditions here and he needs treatment, he needs care. That is something he should focus on and not touring the world and, you know, do it. I, I personally do not want to see Gabriel do that when he's not feeling well. And coming to the conclusion, oh, I have to, you know, jump into the airplane and go to North America and do another fantastic tour. And, and in the end, maybe just disappointing people because he's not physically able to actually give them that. Is that necessary? I don't know. I do doubt it. You know, it's, 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 it's not the same. I like to remember even Phil Collins in his heyday in the 90s or late 80s when he was really starting to kick it off with, with the Genesis band and his, his uh, magnificent, successful solo career, even though I'm not a fan of his work. But Peter, listening to him now, 73, Panopticom, his vocals, he sounds great. I'm not sure how much he helped, he got help with, you know, uh, fixing the vocals. He's not a fan of that stuff. He's a fan of original, originality, staying true to who you are, and singing live as it was meant to be, just live, without too much help of, you know, technolo technological gizmos or auto-tuning. Fuck's sake. We don't need that shit now, do we? So, my first impression is very positive. Like I said, I think Panopticum is a great song. I do not believe it is a masterpiece. But I am still positively excited to listen to the next track and the next and the next and the next, as many as possible. I hope that the mixes will be vastly different from, you know, between Dark and, si dark and, and uh, the Bright Side mix. Because if I want to listen to Dark, it has to be fucking dark. Seriously, I mean, I, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong, right? But um, something else I'd like to say as a closing argument here for my podcast. I have noticed how people go berserk over uh, Panopticom. And they have great fear that, you know, with every release coming, it's going to be like... It's, it, it could be bad. It's not the song that they wanted. It's not what they wished for, what they hoped for, blah, 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 blah. Their anticipation is like sky high. Their, accept, their expectations have not been met. And, you know, some fans love, of course, his song. I do. I do like the song a lot. I think I love it. But uh, it's, it's far from horrible, for sure. But... A lot of people just don't know exactly how to express themselves properly and offering constructive criticism. Instead, they just tear the house down. And I've noticed over the years that, like in most 
uh, very specific music genre or fans that that um, Gabriel fans are one of the most passionate ones. They argue, they fight, they have their golden years that they protect forever and ever, like his third album or the Genesis era and going berserk and Genesis over everything and all that that kind of crap, as if it's the only form of music that ever made anyone happy in, in their in their lives, which is. You know, you have to cut the cords at some point. And I'm glad that Gabriel never went back to his Genesis days fully and just focuses on his solo material because he is an artist, for fuck's sake. If he doesn't want to do that, let him do whatever he wants to do. That's the point. That's his, his, his vision. That's his right. That's his job. And not like giving people some old candy that someone already chewed on and spit back out and call it Genesis Revival. Please, no. We don't need that. What we need is just new material. And we're getting it. Finally. After all these years. And Gabriel wanted to push out the album much sooner. We know. He's a master of distraction. We know. But the album is here. Almost. It's so near, I can almost touch it. And I hope I can see the live tour as well before my kidney explodes. And, uh, oh yeah, back to my closing argument. I have been drifting off too much. The closing, the closing argument is, there is no point in arguing like crazy and spewing opinions about a change like this. Um, you don't have to be upset about it either. And the reason for that is, like I said, fans can be very passionate. I remember during the days when, when, when I was starting to become a fan of Gabriel, I was stuck in the Us album, which is my personal favorite, time and time again, I have to say. It's, it's, that is the masterpiece of all masterpieces. But it was an important time for me as an individual to grow up, adolescence, uh, facing the world, leaving home, that kind of stuff. Gabriel's Us album was always with me. And therefore, it has a very high standing in my record collection. It's, it's, um, it's unthinkable for me to go anywhere without the Us album. Truth be told, even on vacation, if I'm on a beach, I have to listen to Come Talk to Me at some point, you know. Or walking the streets and looking at going sightseeing and listening to digging in the dirt and just enjoying the, the environment and just, you know, really feeling connected with who you are and where you are with the people around you. But it is, um, it, it, it did come to my attention back then when the internet became a thing and became more popular that, you know, especially Peter Gabriel fans and all sorts of music fans. I came together on the platform here and there and just shared information and on, 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 in forums. They just also offered their criticism. And I've read about uh, reviews on Amazon from lots of people about you know tearing up the albums and saying, yeah, that's not what I wanted. That's always the same. You cannot make these people happy because, first of all, they're, they're not really fans per se. I wouldn't go that far. I think a real fan who admires what the man does appreciates his work no matter how it really sounds. I mean, if, if everything is just terrible, you're not a fan. You, you will never become one, nor even stay one. But you had his, his solo career from the first four albums. Lots of fans go berserk and say, wow, these are the best albums that he's, he's ever done. Then the So album came, which became more mainstream and a bit more poppy, of course. A lot of people had problems with that album and said, yeah, that's not the Gabriel I know. And yet the most successful album, of course, gaining more attention, more people focused on his work, exploring his work, and became obsessed at some point, I would say, or at least impressed, you know, and they got hooked, so they came back for more. Then the Us album came out and people started arguing and saying, well, yeah, it does sound good, but there are too many world music elements in there. Uh, Steam is too much a knockoff of Sledgehammer and so forth and so forth. But most of them, most of these fans still stuck to Gabriel's work. And then, of course, the Up album came 10 years later. And most people were fucking disappointed. 
uh, at that time. And I mean, I do, I have read some very positive reviews and opinions about people back then in the forums about what they loved about the tracks and how they would like to uh, see the, the tour unfold. Yeah, that's my legs. And um, many, many, many fans, especially here in Germany, they said um, after listening to the album, that was enough for them. That was like the end of the line, and they, they think that Peter's creativity was gone. They didn't like his music very much. They tore the album to shreds and started even selling their Peter Gabriel collection online when you know CDs and vinyls were still worth a lot of money. So the funny thing for me as an outsider is, um, why is that so devastating for people? Listening to new stuff and not really getting the message, not really getting into the groove or the music. They have either no patience or completely different expectations and cannot let the music just grow on them. Just They want to listen and they want to be mesmerized right away. That doesn't always work. In many cases, you have to re-listen to the music, understand the value of the track, the meaning of the track, the making of the track, the message, the artistic value, the arrangement, the band members, of course, and then re-listening the whole thing again. If you really are interested, if you want to get into something because you haven't, you haven't heard a part of that song before, or you, you, like I said, you, you re-explore the whole thing again until it grows on you. And if it doesn't, well, then you just jump to a new track. And come on, it happened to me too. There are many tracks from the third and second album that I, I personally jump over most of the time. Not that they're completely bad, but I really have to feel like I want that song to be played and I can't just browse through it by accident. It doesn't really get to me anymore. It actually never did when I was younger. Just a few tracks really did and clicked with me and connected. Uh, especially from the first album, but that's a different story. What I'd like to mention, though, is it is it if the Up album would have been presented now in this day and age, people would have torn the album apart. Not because it's bad, of course not. It's a very interesting and yet experimental album in some in some aspects for sure. Especially tracks like "My Head Sounds Like That," which I personally love. But um, with the social media outlet that we have, all these channels and these, these massive opinions of people just pouring in, it is not only is it easy to express your opinion, but it's also a, just a lot more. It's so much condensed into one single direction toward everyone who is browsing. And it has never been higher concentrated than in this day and age. I think every generation that grew up with Gabriel was at some point in time disappointed with, with something they heard of a song or an entire album at some point. Same goes for Michael Jackson fans, for Elvis, for, for the Beatles, for, for you know, ACDC, whatever, Metallica. You will, you will find this everywhere and it's normal, it's natural. The only thing that is annoying is we get this information on a level that is just sometimes too much to bear. But that's the price you pay for being online in a social media network. Uh, Facebook is a good example of that. I mean, lots of people have been spewing information about uh, Panopticom and how they're disappointed they are with, with the song and that they can't listen to it anymore or that you know they're making fun of the mixes. That's uh, fine, I get that, I get the jokes. It's, 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 it's cool at some point, but what good does it do in the end anyway, right? It's, it, expressing your opinion can be helpful at, sometimes, but if you just want to express your opinion because you're pissed, then the information you're, you're just sending away and revealing is not very valuable, nor is it productive for anyone. It's not constructive either. So I'm just saying that people will never change. If they had this technology 20 years ago, they would have torn uh, the, the, the Us album apart. You know, if they had this technology in 1986, they would have torn uh, Sledgehammer apart and so forth. Of course, there was lots of success, but it was just 
a form of success that played out while the material just worked and worked over time, like every other song in the world, on the audience, and naturally there will be a response. People going positively to that album, others saying, no, it's not for me, and just shutting off the radio. And today it's different. I don't like the song, I'm going online, I gotta tell people. Now this, this level of communication is just blowing everyone's minds. And it's because we have never changed. We're always the same. Now we just have a chance to say what we think. And it's not always good. So don't be too surprised if you witness people going berserk and saying, oh no, it's, it's, uh, oh, this is terrible. It goes with everything. Movies, TV shows. Of course, sometimes criticism is due because the product really is bad. We've had that before too. Come on, who, who, am, I, who am I kidding? It's not like we're living here in an Alice in Wonderland. But we're still talking about a very specific individual in the rock music or music business in general, someone who actually has influenced music a bit more than some people would, would admit, I would say. At least I think a lot more than people like Phil Collins, but that's just my personal opinion. Anyway... I'm done talking. It was 51 minutes. I think it is time for me to go back and do something else and drink a second beer. And I'm going to upload this episode. I salute to you, anyone who's listening. I hope you're doing fine. I hope you're not scared of the outcome of the war. I hope that you're still in touch with yourself and looking forward to much more material of the good old Peter Brian Gabriel. I'm yours truly. My name is Dean Laxer, and I had a blast doing this recording. I will be back talking about the next track. Till then, stay stay safe, stay kind, over and out. <laughs>